welcome to the Sour Mash Podcast. Uh, we are your Sour Mash Tours team. This is Dylan. And I'm Andy, and we are a man or a woman. We're a woman down, a wife down. Today, Danielle could not make it. She had previous commitments that involved uh, a hair appointment. Yeah, she had to go get that hair did. Because we're all very busy professionals, we couldn't find time on our extremely busy schedules and find a time when all three of us could do it. So two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. I feel personally responsible for this because we usually uh, record this a day earlier, but um, my uh, my day job actually intervened and then I couldn't get out of some commitments. Um, so yeah, if anybody was wondering, uh, at Sour Mash Tours, uh, Louisville's only guided walking bourbon experience, uh, that, those are not our day jobs. That's not what we do from the day to day. So um, we do it, it's a labor of love. What is your day job, Dylan? I work for the Louisville Urban League, so I'm, I am work for a nonprofit and I do uh, fundraising there. I'm the chief development officer, so That's I get to, impressive. get to call folks and ask them for money. Andy, do you want to explain what you do? I, I knew what you did. I just asked that for the sake of the listeners. Right? I know. But I, I want now you have to tell them what you do. I follow energy markets and advise clients on when to buy natural gas. So I write and talk about the natural gas market literally all day, every day. And it's um, a lot of fun. There you go. I say with a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> Andy's the gas man. You want to know about man. you want to know about gas? You ask Andy. Prices are low. Bye bye bye. <laughs> there you have it. There's your tip for the day. We're done here. <laughs> so today, Dylan and I uh, are drinking Kentucky Owl 11 Year Rye, and this is batch one. Batch two recently came out, and it's uh, been popping up around town. It's uh, just as hard, if not harder, to find than batch one was. But this is a, a very interesting product. I never have bought any of the Kentucky Owl bourbon. I've had a couple of sips of it. It's very expensive, mm-hmm. um, pretty good. But this rye, I got a couple of bottles of it last year, and it really kind of knocked my socks off. I quite enjoy it. What do you think? Uh, I'm a big fan. So um, since it is 11 years old, it has a really dark color where it's picked up a lot of that color from the barrel uh, and the aging process. It has a sweetness that I don't get out of a lot of rise, which I think is really cool. Um, and then, you know, tell them what we, we compared it to just to kind of use as a control. So this is a, a rare rye that is sourced, but not sourced from MGP in Indiana. It says, like, all Kentucky Out products uh, distilled in Kentucky. So there's some speculation out there as to where this rye was made. I guess uh, the Barton Distillery, which came up on our last podcast in the uh, the Womp Womp segment, um, <laughs> has never really produced a commercial rye, to my knowledge, but allegedly they made a, a couple of runs of rye back in the day, and as rumor has it, some of that juice might have found its way into this Kentucky Owl. So Barton, there's no other Barton rides to compare this to, but that is a Sazerac company, uh, so I've poured some Sazerac rye from Buffalo Trace, the, the baby Saz, mm-hmm. and I get a lot of similar notes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get some, I'm sure the listener loves to hear me They sniff. love to hear you sniffing. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean. I get a lot of the same, like, perfumey kind of floral notes, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got a little bit more of, like, an herbal... Um, note with the, with the Sazerac and an herbal taste with it um, as opposed to something that's a little bit more well a little bit more like earthy with the Saz but a little bit more like a, like a tea 
Um, but a little bit more of that spice that you get with a traditional rye with the uh, Kentucky Owl. But I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. And as you know, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, of the ryes. Yeah, and I was surprised when we were going through our options for tasting today that Dylan wanted to taste a rye. He wanted to, to bring that into the fray. I'm, I'm opening up my horizons, you know, just, just being a yes man. So what, you know, say yes to everything. It's kind of interesting with this Kentucky Owl rye. It's, it won, I believe Fred Minnick called it his whiskey of the year for you know late 2017 the first half of 2018 i guess it was a fiscal year but um <laughs> the, the, the batch one came out it's 110 and a half proof so no joke on the on the strength um retailed for about 120 to 130 dollars a bottle the secondary market which i thought would might go crazy on, over this stuff it only goes for about 150 to 160. Hmm. Meanwhile, the batch two came out. It was a lower proof, but for whatever reason, the retail price was higher. I think that there might have been a little bit less of it, and that's going on the secondary market for closer to two hundred to two hundred and thirty dollars. So, I, I it's kind of a weird study in economics, I guess, that the the batch one is pretty much universally thought to be a better whiskey, but on this uh, black market, which I may or may not dabble in on occasion, it's uh, not as valuable as this batch two that's come out recently. May or may not dabble in. That's that's a wonderful way of putting it. Uh, don't go looking for it, kids. There's nothing for you there. You don't, don't want to see the things Andy's seen on the bourbon black market. No, it's... I mean, I would say that the, the secondary market for bourbon is something that's like... Clearly illegal, mm-hmm. obviously. Let's be Let's yeah. be honest, but... It's one of those things that everybody, I think, kind of overlooks a little bit. I don't think it's, that the, the feds are knocking down any doors no. for an old crook like and me. And it's something that's like, old crook <laughs> like me. It's almost something that's accepted by, distil- like, we've, we've mentioned that on, like, tours and stuff. And people have been like, oh, yeah, like, everybody knows that that exists. And they kind of just like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, and then you, you have people that kind of demonize, I guess, <laughs> the secondary market. Uh, they hold bourbon in a, a high esteem and think that it's above price and people shouldn't try to profit off of it which i can see that but at the same time if i've got something that somebody wants and they value it more than me why shouldn't i take advantage of that situation a little bit you know what i'm saying with the bourbon boom everybody's got to jump in why did we create sour mash tours right and at the same time if if there's a bottle that i'd like to get my hands on that I, i know where i can get it as long as i'm willing to pay the market rate um, and liquor store owners, I think, are starting to, to catch up to that. You're not seeing the big box stores jack their prices up too much yet, but the, the small corner stores, more often than not, if you see a bottle of Pappy or George T. Stag, it's going to be priced at or even in a lot of cases above the secondary market. Mm-hmm. So it's something to certainly watch as we push forward in this uh, weird bourbon boom that we've been in for the last six or seven years. Yeah, and you know, speaking of bourbon booms, so what was it? Two weekends ago? Or was it, it wasn't last week. Two weekends ago, you went to a uh, a fun music festival that uh, has recently kind of increased its uh, uh, bourbon profile, right? Right. So we went to Forecastle. Yeah. Um, our good friends Kelly and Quincy came down from Chicago, and we had a hell of a weekend. Um, kind of a blur for a number of different reasons. I participated in a very small portion of that, but not the not the Forecastle. Yeah. Like the the like the calm before the storm. The calm between the storm. <laughs> between I the guess. storm. That's true because you'd already partook. Yeah, we had some night. friends over to grill out on Saturday before we headed down to the waterfront. And Saturday was like probably the hottest day of the year, maybe outside of the 4th of July. 
Um, but we toughed it out. We got down there at about three o'clock and went through the duration uh, all the way through Chris Stapleton's very delayed set. We sat there. We heard what I thought was a credible rumor that <laughs> Justin Timberlake was going to join him. That was the rumor going around the festival, just like on the grounds? Well, it was the rumor. So we ran into our, our neighbors, uh, Derek and Olivia, and Derek used to be like the production manager for all of Forecastle. Ah. And he's still, I guess, pretty connected. And we were standing over by the Forecastle Foundation tent, um, and they walked past, and she relayed that. And she seemed fairly convinced of it. So... I probably wouldn't have stuck out Stapleton's set <laughs> if you didn't think JT well, was going to make an appearance. Right, he was he he was about a half hour late coming on. Allegedly, there was some sort of technical issues going on, and it delayed the start of the set. Um, and, and we couldn't um, we couldn't leave because we thought that there might be an extremely special guest coming out. So everybody thought that like it was delayed because they were waiting on JT's like copter to come down and drop him off on stage. Quite possibly. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what people thought, but there was like, Justin Timberlake had been in Nashville two nights before. He didn't have anything on his calendar. He's been known to perform with Chris Stapleton in the past, obviously, so there, but there was a the lot man of... Is a, the man is a father. He needs a night off to take care of his baby. I guess that's the case, yeah. He's a smoking hot wife. He wasn't just... <laughs> he, he wasn't waiting to come out for one song <laughs> at a festival that he would have easily been the, the biggest headliner of. It was like the day, like the day of, Chris Stapleton would just send him a text and said, Hey man, what are you up to? <laughs> Nothing to have the day off. You want to sing Tennessee Whiskey tonight? <laughs> In Louisville? Sure. Be there an hour. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what we thought was going to happen. It did not, spoiler alert, uh, Justin Timberlake never showed up. And to be honest, I, I like Chris Stapleton. I like his music. And I saw him in a concert where he was just the only, uh, the main act build uh, a couple of years ago on the waterfront. Really liked it. I thought mm -hmm. it had a lot of energy. But for some reason, um, it didn't feel the same at Forecastle. He, he's kind of like shifted away from that first album. Yeah, the first album had had like that folky blues feel to it. I think he's kind of like shifted a little bit because I remember not being like over the moon about his second album. Not to say that it wasn't good, right? Yeah, and it, the I think that the Timberlake thing kept us hanging on the whole time. <laughs> Otherwise, we might have bounced. And you know, my observation afterward was it simultaneously made the concert more interesting and more disappointing mm. because Timberlake didn't show up. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah. <laughs> All in one, yeah, one but, drunken night. But then, so the, the highlights of the weekend music-wise were Father John Misty, who's probably my favorite singer right now, um, and Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire fucking killed it. <laughs> it was a, a beautiful show. They had so much energy. The, the lights, the stage production... Uh, the set list, everything about that. And that was the, the late Sunday show. So that was yeah, the cherry like, on top yeah, of the whole festival. That topped everything off. It was... But you you would also say that like one of the tops would be the uh, the Bourbon Lodge, right? Yeah, you're, you're steering me in that direction. Huh? What I'm doing, man. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Steer the ship. So when, when Full you're... Castle reference. <laughs> when you're out there in uh, 98 degree weather with 110 degree heat index... Uh, you have to find a respite mm -hmm. from from the the heat, and luckily they have a, a bourbon lodge, which is an air conditioned tent. Um, and it's kind of cool how they have it set up. You have to buy you buy tickets that are each worth a dollar when you get in, and then every pour of bourbon around the the, the different distilleries uh, costs a various number of dollars. But 
what you could do is get a small pour of whatever your favorite bourbon for mixing is and then take it over the head of mixology booth and pay them a dollar and they would turn it into a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can make it into an old fashioned or a mule. They had something called the jellyfish, mm-hmm. uh, which sounded really good. And depending and? on where you got it, it was okay. We got a jellyfish from a different booth and they mixed gin and bourbon together. What? And when I questioned the bartender, she was like, yeah, that's what a jellyfish is. And Did you look this up on the internet? I don't. That's what I would have done. I, I meant to, but I, I didn't. I guess we could right now, but I, I don't think that the jellyfish is like some sacred classic cocktail. Yeah, I that think like it was made up for, demands, a, for right. a festival that's all nautical themed. And I think that the maybe gin is the spirit that they intended to put in the drink, but if you wanted to make it with bourbon yeah. instead of gin. Or maybe gin is the person who created the drink. <laughs> <laughs> And what happened is she got a little mixed up. She got mixed up. <laughs> as they're talking back, is is in the communication, they're playing a game of telephone, and finally they're like, yeah, we're going to mix gin and bourbon together with uh, ginger beer and something else. Meanwhile, poor gin's like delicious cocktail's been bastardized and ruined forever. <laughs> so anyway, inside the bourbon lodge, you could get a pour. All the distilleries had their, their staples out. Um, and, and but then Liquor Barn set up a big booth on the opposite side of the tent from the mixology booth, and they had a bunch of limited pours of bourbon. So it was all of the barrels that the Forecastle Foundation selected, including a, a unique uh, barrel-proof version of Larceny, mm. which I don't know that will ever be available again. That was mm. a pretty tasty uh, thing. Larceny was hanging out some sweet like tats and stuff. Yeah. And guys were, yeah. By the end of the weekend, I had a bunch of temporary uh, key tattoos, courtesy <laughs> of Heaven Hill and Larceny, on my forearm. And it fit. Yeah, I like, thought it about... It definitely fit the, uh, the, the mold of the, the weekend. I thought about getting it permanent, but... Alas, I've moved past that part of my life, I guess. The the key tattoo on my forearm. <laughs> it's never too late to be hip. <laughs> <laughs> so the the highlight I think at the the liquor barn rare bourbon tent, I can't remember exactly what it was called, they had uh, a lineup of different expressions of birthday bourbon. So they had a two, from from Old Forester, yeah. from uh, Brown Foreman. So they had everything from a 2002, a 2003, a 2006, an 8, a 12, and then I think the, the recent release, the 17. And that is like very sought after, oh, yeah. hard to find stuff. Like that is coveted bottle. So Quincy and I were like really excited to try this 2002 birthday bourbon because I think it was the first release. And they were putting it out at a specific time on Saturday. So we wanted to make sure we were there at that time. Because in our minds, there were going to be like all these ravenous bourbon drinkers like piled up outside waiting to get a taste of this. You were treating it like a release at a liquor store and not a... um... Not a music festival, and it was it was eight dollars for a quarter ounce, just a, just a little taste right on the top. We found the quarter ounce pour like you can barely even smell it. Right, like you might as well. So we started getting. We'd each get a half ounce for fifteen, and then we'd just share that little half ounce. So take like a little dropper and just like drop a couple drops on your tongue. They're like, there you go. Yeah, that was more <laughs> or less what that quarter ounce is. And we do half ounce pours uh, during our sour mash tasting and tour tour events. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's enough to at least get a, a good idea of what something tastes like. So we shifted to that. I think that the winner was the 2006, I think, was our consistent uh, or consensus favorite uh, birthday bourbon that we had on Saturday at Forecastle. That's awesome. And you were like, when I was over here on Saturday, you were like prepared for Bourbon Lodge. You had your, you had your cup 
Yeah. The, the souvenir cup, like, attached to the belt, which was <laughs> attached to some water because staying hydrated was the key. Yeah, we were festival as fuck, man. Yeah, you were Yeah, you were fucking killing it. Meanwhile, like, I didn't go to the festival. I stayed at home and, like, tried to tame my disastrous fucking lawn. How'd that work out? Not, not great. So, like, in between me trying to, like, going on vacation and having an awesome time in Hilton Head with, with my girlfriend Kate and her parents... And coming back, it you know, like you were here, so it was like ungodly hot, and then it rained and rained, so I just had like a foot tall lawn when I got back, and uh, me trying to be economical and green and all this kind of cool stuff, only invested in a, uh, a lawnmower that's basically a uh, battery-powered weed eater with a deck that's detachable on it. Okay. And uh, that shit don't work on a foot tall lawn so um actually what i had to do just recently last time i cut it no lie i had to go and borrow my 85 year old neighbor's like self-propelled lawnmower when you say self-propelled are you talking about like the leave it to beaver like the one that doesn't even have gas like the no, blades on the no. wheel no i'm talking about a gigantic gas-powered lawnmower that has a that has a lever that you press that like Makes it go. So it is self-propelled. It is self-propelled. I thought you said it's not self-propelled. No, self-propelled. Okay. No. So like this. So yeah, because he needs it because he's got to be able to push stuff up a hill, and he's right. old. I needed it because I needed to be able to get through the fucking jungle <laughs> to mow my lawn. So yeah, I made a mistake in my purchase, but um, I got it done. I think my my confusion just now was based on one the fact that I don't have a yard to mow anymore. <laughs> so we're, we're here in Old Louisville. I've got a. Very nice courtyard that I have to weed eat. Yeah, I don't have any grass. Um, But when you said self-propelled, I know obviously what a self-propelled lawnmower is. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking like self-propelled, like Like you're the self, yeah, (laughs) and you're propelling this this blade. I have (laughs) one of I do have one of those, like the old school rotary mowers. Seriously? Yes, that's what I thought I could also do it. But then I underestimated the fact that my yard is ninety five percent weeds that don't play. And so I'm sitting here like pushing this back and forth trying to get this stuff cut and I just finally gave up and was like, I've made a mistake and I need a lawnmower. <laughs> That's what's happened. But if you go there now, lawn looks beautiful. Those those rotary mowers always remind me of uh, my friend Blake, our, our friend Blake, mm-hmm. um, when he first moved into a house actually in Camp Taylor right around mm-hmm. the corner from where Dylan is. Um, don't, don't give away my address. Don't I'm, I'm, always, right. I'm always like right on the verge, <laughs> just telling everybody where everybody lives. But um, Blake, he moved in. He's like, oh, I gotta get a lawnmower. I might save a little money, maybe it'd be a little bit more environmentally cautious. So I'm gonna get this uh, this rotary thing. Mm-hmm. He had giant hills in the front yard. The backyard was big. I think Blake generously mowed about an eighth of the back of his yard before he gave up. <laughs> And then I don't think that that yard got mowed for the next two years. Oh, <laughs> he said tall grass all the time. I'm sure. I don't think. I don't know if Blake listens to the podcast or not. But Jared <laughs> calling him out. Yeah. <laughs> but I will. I will say this about like because that's the thing. I'm surprised that 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 was able to happen because the thing about Camp Taylor is that all of the most of the folks that live there are people that it like. I meet them and they're like, "Oh, I was born in this house. I've been here for 50 years," and they take care of that neighborhood. So I'm actually surprised that some like old dude didn't come over there and like weed whack it for I'm sure him. it was the talk of the town. I think he had like four cats just like stray living oh, in, his, in his backyard. Just had like a pride living in his <laughs> like, safari lawn. 
Oh man, but yeah, so that was that was my weekend instead of having fun forecastle times. It was, um, yeah, it was taming a lawn. Not to say that I didn't have fun. I, I hung out and um, went to a cool beer party and all kinds of other stuff. Did you go to nice. the German American Club? Was that, I did that go weekend? to the German American Club. Good memory, which is which is cool. So if you've never been to the German American Club in Louisville, uh, it is definitely something to go and check out. So they have like a beer garden that they have where you can go and get like German beers. They had like a, a, a band that was made up of like 65 year old white dudes playing nothing but covers of like uh, Johnny B. Good and Mustang Sally. Like that was just that was just all they were playing. It was, you know, it, it was a good time, though. I would expect, like, polka or, like, leader. No, 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 no. So we, we weren't in, like, Oktoberfest mode. Oh, It yeah. was, like, I have trouble, yeah. I guess, differentiating those two things in my mind. It reminded me of, like, what a, what a sock hop was back in, like, the 50s. Really? It was, like, everybody was trying to relive that. There were people that were out there, like, dancing with their, with their spouses, like, twirling okay. them around. You know, they were playing, like, um, Suzy Q. <laughs> <laughs> there were no malts. It was oh, mostly man. alcohol, um, which is a welcome thing. A malted you, beverage. Yeah. But you can buy you can buy booze by the pitcher and just sit and, like, relax and hang out. So uh, definitely something to check out if, uh, if you haven't been there. The GA Club is definitely a good time. I haven't been there in a few years, mm-hmm. so i got to check that out again. Um, we should do a remote there. Yeah. Live, live from the German American Club. We're doing, uh, we're doing Sour Mash podcast. We got offered to do a remote podcast from the Bonnie Castle Club too. Ooh, I didn't know. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm a member of the Bonnie Castle <laughs> Club, which they, they do, they do some charitable work, um, but basically it's just uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of dudes get together. Uh, a lot of people bring their wives and find excuses to get together and drink and it's a uh, kind of a fun old school place if you've never had a chance to go uh, I'll let you in if you mention this podcast that's the key so you just show up at the people are going to show up at the Bonnie Castle yeah, Club and a, be like Andy from Sour Mesh Podcast Sour so Mesh Podcast <laughs> that's, the, that's the password and you can get in but you only have like two weeks and it rotates and it changes but we did a um, we helped them develop some they did a bourbon night a few Fridays ago and we helped develop some flights for them and, and kind of helped uh, build that out for the night. And it, it ended up being a really, really good time. But we were talking about this podcast and they offered to uh, host us there to do the podcast and maybe interview some members. I don't know exactly how that would work. I don't know. We've never done something like that before. <laughs> not, That'd be going out on a limb. Not even close. We're, we're really just like, you know, we're just diversifying and doing whatever. I mean, like this past Saturday, we were super busy and did like three completely different events that was a great segue dylan I'm, dude i'm saying you're like... killing the segues <laughs> i was wondering how we were gonna even get out of that like talking about the bonnie castle club and ga club like totally off topic and dylan over here is a hero uh finds a way to bring us back onto onto track they have found my calling and yeah, that, was, that, was, that was some professional stuff I, I do what i can man do what i can but um no man so saturday we had three distinct Sour Mash events, which was cool. So um, I was contacted about doing a, uh, a mini tour with a distillery um, tour to attached to it for a, a wedding party. So they wanted to get some of the, uh, uh, the dads uh, out before and family members so they didn't have to sit around the hotel. So I did a, a Copper and Kings tour, which I actually got to see uh, Alexander, that, uh, that bar for the first time. Um, and I know that we've talked about it on one of our other uh, casts, but uh, man, that place is just 
amazing. That bar is just phenomenal. Um, so if you haven't been there, go and grab a cocktail at Alexander Copper and Kings. And then we did a, a Butcher Town tasting. And um, meanwhile, at the same time, Andy was running a, uh, a basically a private birthday uh, sour mash tour. In Nulu, yeah. In so Nulu. we had a 40th birthday. We went to Harvest, which is always a treat to go in there. They've got a tremendous bourbon selection and obviously a great environment, especially to start the tour. It's nice and quiet in there because we get in between the, uh, the lunch and the dinner rush. Uh, then, of course, Taj. And to kind of spice things up, uh, Saturday was the day of the Nulu Luau. Not the new Luau, which it should have been. I think that was a missed opportunity. They missed that opportunity, but hey, now they can hear it. But everybody's wearing lays, and um, every bar had a different tiki drink. They were doing limbo in front of Garage Bar. It was a fun atmosphere, and just really kind of hammers home how great that neighborhood has become. On any given day, especially during the weekend, even if there's not a special event going on, Market Street's humming. You got Mm -hmm. people that from out of town, from different parts within town, uh, it's become a a destination for everybody and it's it's great to see that continue to grow. And it's pretty cool that like, when they do do special events, it's not one-offs from one bar doing something exclusive. Like they kind of work together to create this network. Right. uh, So you can go anywhere and get like the same experience but a little bit different like everybody had their own signature drink sure. and, like all that stuff which is cool absolutely and then of course we wrapped up uh, down at Feast which mm-hmm. is great we had uh, the first time actually ever on a tour um, how many tours do you 25, 30? Maybe done more than that. I don't even know. Yeah. But the first time anybody's ever actually ordered food while we were finishing up the tour. So they had had some tater tots on the table as we were were wrapping it. Yeah. I'm not sure if that added to the the experience or not. Probably ruined the taste buds. But after the, like at the third stop, people are just like, what do we have here? Right. Like anyway, but no, like it was cool. So I want to give a little bit of a shout out. So, um, uh, the, one of the folks uh, there is the one of the founders of Flywheel Brewing in um, in Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah in E Town. So it's actually Hardin County's only uh, craft brewery. So uh, we were talking about maybe doing some little exchange of merch. Uh, yeah, we need to send the them a t-shirt. So, yep, send them a sour mash t-shirt. More importantly, get one of their t-shirts. And get one of theirs. So I actually want to try it out. So I'm a big connoisseur of, uh, of craft beer, big fan of it. Um, and I want to check out any spot that we can. So um, so Flywheel Brewing, that's something that, that uh, everybody should check out, which was fun. And then um, to, top, to top off the night and finish it out, we did our second um, LCFC pregame tasting. So our Louisville City Football Club, uh, Beer Bourbon in the City. Um, which we had almost a packed house for, which was cool. Um, so with that, you get a tasting, you get a uh, you get a half pint of Against the Grain Brewery's beer. Um, they're great partners, and then you also get a ticket to the game. Um, so it is just a, a full package. Um, and we had a we had a great group, and I think, I mean, that was your first time coming to the. So you, it was me solo the first time. Um, so you, you know, you and Danielle came to that one and uh, helped out and facilitated, and you actually got you got a special gift from that one. Yeah, um, Danielle's cousin Tara Joe and her husband Josh, um, they have kind of a woodworking business on the side, and they do custom barrel heads. Mm-hmm. And they brought us a, a very nice barrel head uh, that you could see on our social media with Sour Mash Tours uh, laser cut into it which is pretty sweet it's amazing and yeah. josh got to like, figure out where to hang that up when josh was like oh I just did this like right before we came like, yeah and i was just like 
dude, this is amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, the, the the finish on the barrel head was beautiful, and it was a very very good gift and a great surprise. I wasn't normally people don't bring us gifts when they come to our events. <laughs> That's true. The, the, the default is no gift. No gift. But yeah. We certainly appreciate when we get the gift. So you get an extra pour if you get a gift. That's <laughs> not true. We can't do that. But um, what's the name? Of, what's the name of the company? You're gonna put me on the spot here, and I do not know. But we'll yeah. Thomas we'll, Woodworking. Yeah. There you go. And so we'll we'll tag it. Yeah, yeah, we'll post target. this and make sure. I'm um, sorry to put you on the spot, but you look. Andy gave me a look like no. <laughs> I can't think of it off the top of my head. The only business I can mention is www.trustcrooks.com. <laughs> We're still doing that. So that's our one and only sponsor. Yeah, we have a lifetime commitment. Did we? We have a lifetime commitment for that investment. We might be able to weasel out of it, but it's with a lawyer, so that might be tough. That's true. I think we need to renegotiate the terms. Yeah, I'll talk to Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> so we figure that out. All right, Andy. So. You guys have hit me with like a like a would you rather or like so you're a gonna scenario. Do it? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. You said and it was ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but I want to see what you think of because I have a little spin on this and things that like makes it a little bit more difficult. So, would you rather be an all star, get your game on, go play, or be a rock star, get your show on, and get paid? Why do I always think that said get laid at the end? We can we can change it. To... <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm... I thought that was going. So okay, so it's get paid. So basically, we're we're deciding whether you want to succeed in sports or music. Maybe yeah. I don't know. What do you say? Um, music. Music. Yeah, so because one, it's less physically demanding. Not to <laughs> not to downplay the the grind of the tour and all that. I'm sure that it's hard in its own right. But to be a world-class musician, you have a skill that is never going to go away, theoretically. You can, you can have that for the rest of your life. If you're a, you know, best case, if you're especially a football player, your career is like, you know, eight to ten years. Baseball, it's a little bit longer. I think that if I was going to be uh, an all-star in anything, and this term doesn't really directly apply to this sport, it would be golf. For the same reason it's not as physically demanding and you can i mean you're priming golf like look at tiger woods that granted he's not where he used to be but he's in his early he's 40s comeback and he's making this comeback and there's a chance that he still has you know five or six years left where he's able to compete uh you're not technically a senior until you're over 50 and then you go play on the senior tour so if i was going to be an all-star i would choose golf because you have a long career and you can make a lot of money and i like playing golf um, when I was younger, I would have said football, but now I, you know, I don't want CTE or anything yeah. like that. Damn, know? Andy, you got all serious on me, man. Well, you asked me like, a question. You got like real for real. You asked me a question. Like, you're just like, you're, it's it. like your, your body's going to give out on you one day. <laughs> Why would I want to do something where all of a sudden like you're going to look back on your days and you're going to be like, I'm not what I used to be. Well, so Damn. to take it back to the, the music side of things, you know, you're, if, if you're a rock star, like, Granted, if you're not a one-hit wonder, you're putting out you know record every couple of years, going on tour, having fun, collaborating, literally living the life of a rock star. I think that that wins out. That's not yeah, as as portrayed in the in the Nickelback song, "Hey, you won't be a rock star." It's a classic. So you've mentioned as a, <laughs> you've mentioned two songs in the past three minutes. And one was by Smash Mouth. Yep. And one was by Nickelback. Yeah. Oh, great. That's how I roll. <laughs> that's, that's what I listen to on on the daily. So what's so? I'm sorry that I answered your question seriously. You did. But what's your what's your take? 
I mean, I agree because <laughs> like you like because it, it implies you're getting paid. So like, what are the what with are the with an all star with, with this way? Hey now, hey, now you're, you're an all star. Get your game on. Go, go play. play. Hey okay. now you're a rock star. Get your show on. Get, get paid. Late. Paid. It's paid. <laughs> you keep going back to late, man. Like, I, really, <laughs> I really, I if, if you would in in some weird scenario, if you would have asked me to write the lyrics of uh, Smash Mouth Rock Star, I would have sworn that it said "Get Laid." In Maybe I'm line. wrong. I no, know. I think you're you're right. They played that on. Top forty radio, yeah. like I'm sure that it was get paid. Get paid. Maybe that. Maybe that was the radio edit though. Maybe. Was we're getting paid. Yeah. But no, my thing is really explicit that it on doesn't uncut stuff. It doesn't specify what kind of all star you are. Like okay. if you're an all star on your like beer league softball team, like who cares? Right. You're not get like you're gonna go play a game. You're gonna play the beer league softball tournament, and then you're gonna go home and like drink Miller Light and still be like. Out of shape and sad. That's true. I was an all-star in Pee Wee football. Hey. So. for You got your game on. I did get my game on. <laughs> and I wouldn't play. <laughs> See, that would have been your highlight. That's what you would have been. And then, yeah, there would have been no follow-up. So you might not even have been a professional athlete. Because you know what they say at NCAA. Most of them go professional in something other than sports. That's true. Most yes. and most of them work at Enterprise Rent a Car. <laughs> Apparently, they've got a they've got a, a very competitive management. Program. They have an amazing pipeline <laughs> directly from college athletics right to Enterprise Rent a Car. What? So back to kind of I guess I came up with a separate hypothetical within my answer to that hypothetical. What's your sport of choice if you're going to be let's just, let's say a Hall of Famer in any sport? What would you choose? Hall of Famer in any sport? Oh, man. Does soccer have a Hall of Fame? I'm sure. Let's not take the Hall of... You're taking... Okay, so I'm taking... It's not being super literal. Literally. But something, you know, it, it reminded me of, you know... If you're among the all-time greats. All-time greats. In any sport. Oh, man, I think it's got... I think it's soccer. That's an that's international game. That's a good point. That's like going... Like, that turns you into, like... Ali levels going to different countries, you know. You know what? Can we be like Dylan Boumaier? Like <laughs> kids doing that? Did you know that the airport, the main airport in Portugal, is named after Cristiano Ronaldo? Already? Yes. What? Have you seen that like picture of the like, terrible, oh, that terrible bust? statue? Yeah, that's in the airport. I think that's what they put in the air. They're like, oh my gosh, let me christen this yeah. with you. here's here's a bust of sloth. <laughs> I'm eighty. I'm eighty five percent sure of all of that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> how do you already get an airport name? I don't know. You? How old is Ronaldo? He's got. He's not. Like, is he's he like even 32? in his thirties? Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, you know, Portugal. Chris Columbus. And he Portuguese. <laughs> he Spanish. I think he was Portuguese. Yeah, I don't know, but he sailed. He sailed for the Spanish, so that might be like that's true. Maybe he was a he was a trader. <laughs> I don't know who the other famous Portuguese people are. I have no idea. So yeah, Ronaldo. So go ahead and hit us up on social media and let us know who the favorite or two famous who, Portuguese. Yeah, who's, folks your, who's are. your favorite Portuguese uh, person? Was yeah, I don't know. I'm not even going to speculate because <laughs> it would be so wrong. No, I did. I did not know that. But I bet so soccer me, is like, your slip, soccer is your choice. The way to go. I think that makes sense. I just didn't. I didn't grow up with soccer. I've come to really appreciate soccer, and actually even more. Like so, I watched a lot of the World Cup yeah. mainly because it was on during the workday, and it gave me something to do instead of work at the <laughs> office. Um, I hope no one in your management is listening to you saying this. I hope they are. Um, <laughs> no fear. <laughs> I, I got all my stuff done, um, but. The, 
watching the World Cup and seeing like the the tip top of, of soccer competition, it was almost jarring to go back and watch the Louisville City game on TV. And they're playing against an MLS team, mm-hmm. the Chicago Fire. Uh, they got smoked in that game, by the way, but they won the game you went to on Saturday, right? Yep. Four to one. Yep. Is that right? They did. They did. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the nuances of soccer. When mm-hmm. I watch it, I feel like I'm almost a, like a small child watching an NFL game. Like, <laughs> I can watch the ball go around, and I know when somebody scores. It's uh, like me at a hockey game. Yeah, I or me no at a hockey idea. game. I had no too. idea yeah. what was going on. But but going from watching the, the World Cup to watching a, a mid-level professional team in the U.S., there's a palpable difference in skill and the way that they control the ball and pass the ball, and that made me appreciate it more, I think. Yeah, and the, not to say that the Louisville City FC team isn't great. No, because I mean, they, they but, are. They're a high-quality team. But they're team. not like the French national team. Right, absolutely. Like, there's, there's something different about that that just makes that, like, beautiful. And I think that, like, for me, watching the World Cup, it was interesting because it was, like, from an objective view because... The U.S. wasn't in it this year, so yeah. it wasn't one of those like us against the world type things. You can actually like go in just trying to watch like really good soccer, and that's what we got for most of the tournament. Like it was really, really like really competitive and amazing. And like Kate, her favorite team growing up was France, so it was it was fun to watch that final with her and watch the the what French was the connection take it there. Uh, she's she's a big fan of France <laughs> in general. She's okay. been there. Okay. She's been there several times. Um, I, yeah. I guess they're all Steelers fans from Fern Creek, so you don't need a direct <laughs> connection. Exactly. So you, we're we're in Louisville, Kentucky. Like right, there's not have... there's not too many things that you can like latch on to, you right. know. So like you make your your allegiances based on you know the what you learn. So yeah. So that's the Steelers, France, all that kind of stuff. I didn't have a dog in the fight, but I was hoping to see like an England France final mm. or England Belgium or, or something like that. Uh, I think that that would have been more intriguing. Not that you know, not to downplay the, the Croats. Is it Croat? I don't think Croatians. I think is the oh, right yeah. term. Why did I try to make that, Why did I try to make that more complicated than it was? <laughs> I have no idea. Croats. <laughs> yes, the Croat team. <laughs> yes, not to take anything from the Croatians. They were amazing. I don't amazing. think we have any Croatian listeners. We did have one person download our uh, podcast from. Um, from Spain. Sweden. Sweden. Oh, Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. Sweden. So we have some Swedish we have, listeners. We have a Swedish listener, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, no Croats. No Croats. So there we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know, Andy. Have we, have we exhausted our... I want to talk uh, about one more thing, Dylan. Ooh. Okay. Have you ever had something that <laughs> you didn't know was coming, and suddenly it was there, and you got super excited about it, and then it got taken away? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what this context is, so I'm just going to say no. No, I don't haven't. think. So the other day, last Friday, I walked outside of my office downtown and saw uh, an electric scooter just sitting there, like with, almost with like a spotlight shining on it, <laughs> right on the sidewalk. And I was like, my first instinct is to steal the somebody, scooter. Somebody left their scooter here just in the middle of the sidewalk. There was a woman standing there on her cell phone, so I asked if it was her. She said it was not. Um, I, upon closer inspection, there was a QR code on it, and it had some some logo. It, it was a bird scooter. Yeah. So I, being somebody that apparently doesn't stay plugged into local news, had no idea that this was a thing in Louisville. I didn't know it was a thing anywhere, to be quite honest. 
Um, so I immediately downloaded the app, um, sitting on, on the street on Muhammad Ali, putting my credit card information into this app, because if I see an electric scooter that's available for me to drive, I'm going to drive it. Like, how did you not know that that was some sort of like scam? Like you were going to scam. I know, but I'm just saying like, you didn't know what the hell it was. Like you're just like QR code app. Let me put my credit card information into this random scooter sitting on the sidewalk. It seemed, it seemed legit. (laughs) Apple has a rigorous, rigorous uh, approval process. So, like this podcast, yeah. which, is, which you can find on iTunes, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I, it costs a dollar to unlock this thing, and fifteen cents a minute thereafter. So, I'm on this scooter, and of course, it says like you got to wear a helmet. So, I said, "Yeah, I got to." Of course, I just carry a helmet around downtown Louisville when I'm walking around. Mm. Uh, you have to stay off of the sidewalks, which. I'm sure as hell I'm not going to take this electric scooter on the street because I'm, I know. don't know how to drive it. <laughs> and you can't, you're not supposed to take it down hills. So I'm like, check, check, check. And then I proceeded. No hills downtown. So you yeah, had that, that, that was good. That was one a, out of three. Yeah, right? that was truthful. So I proceeded to cruise around downtown for about 15 minutes on this thing. And I got to say, it's a lot of fun. This thing flies. I only almost got hit by one car. <laughs> I only almost ran over one pedestrian. Um, so I, I cruised around for a little bit, stopped at the pita pit as I'm one to do when I'm seeking some lunch downtown and started doing some more research. And I had a lot of questions about this, namely who charges these things, uh, cause they're electric scooters and the battery runs down. Mm-hmm. So I found out that there's this whole culture of people in California where these things have been adopted on a more widespread basis and they're called uh, bird chargers and and the company is called bird, bird like it yes. has a bird on like it the like that's the name of right? the company and they have a lot of uh, aviary themes in there in the way that they name things but the so the idea is that at the end of the night at about nine o'clock you can switch into charging mode and if you want to be a charger bird would send you some chargers to keep at your house to plug into the wall um, and each scooter has for lack of a better term a bounty on it so if this thing's just out in the middle of out in the open uh anybody could find it it might be worth five dollars if it is uh thrown into the river and nobody can come up with it it's at the bottom of the ohio it might be worth 25 dollars. so if you can fish it out if it. you can fish it out so i in the story there were people talking about like going deep into the woods to find these things or like down into like a canyon in california um so these kids basically in California can make like hundreds of dollars a night going around rounding up all these birds. You take them home. Scooters. Scooters. Let's go ahead and yeah, yeah. make sure that we but don't, we don't not confuse actually, the listeners. They're bird hunters. Yeah. <laughs> they, they go out, find the scooters, um, bring them back to their house, plug them into the charger. The next morning you drop them off at various nests. Mm, see what they did? I see that. That are sitting around town. And then uh, as long as it's got a full charge and you can prove you have to take a picture, you drop it off at the nest, um, you get paid. You get in, It comes into your account. So it's kind of like the, the shared economy, like Uber mm-hmm. or anything else. Um, so I actually, in, in my excitement, I signed up to be a bird charger. Yeah. Um, but nice. I think I was in too late because the city took them away. They've already taken them away. Well, now, I know that they well, were bird like... took them away. Bird decided... Yeah. I think I think there's some there's some gamesmanship. Uh, Like I think they were in negotiations. Louisville was dragging its feet, uh, so Bird decided to force the city's hand by going ahead and putting them out there with no permission. Maybe get the public get get prominent podcasters like me out here talking about it. 
Um, and and we should tag Bird on this one. Too. We should. We should absolutely. absolutely tag we say Bird. we want we want you back because I think it's a very cool concept. I mean, one, it's it, they're fun to drive, but two, just from a transportation standpoint, I think it helps us be more be less reliant on vehicles because you could easily go a couple of miles in this thing and not too long. Um, and I I think it could be good for the city, and I hope that it, it comes back. And hopefully I can make a little extra money maybe to spend on bourbon uh, charging these things. <laughs> we'll see if it's Just actually driving around town, throwing birds well, into your car. I live downtown. I work downtown. The birds are downtown. Like, it doesn't seem like too big of a leap for me to cruise down there at 9 o'clock and pick up five scooters and bring it home and make 25 bucks a day. Have you, like, have, like, Danielle's not here. Like, have you walked this past her so, like, you don't, like, you have a house full of Scoop fucking scooters getting charged. I think we'll do it in the garage, maybe. Maybe until they overflowed. I don't know. We'll have to think about the logistics. We'll, we, let's get Bird back in our lives first. Yeah, and then uh, from there we'll figure out how we're going to charge. There them you all. go, Bird. You were wanted. You were wanted here because I didn't and get to try them out. And I more importantly, cool. the city of Louisville, Need Bird you. is wanted. Yes, Nashville banned them because people were leaving them out in the open on the sidewalk mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Dangerous. I think there's an issue with like drunk people getting on it, mm-hmm. which certainly there's is liability. But you probably sure. there's a waiver that you, you have signed, to... right? But if I'm if you have a drunk person cruising, like I think they go 15 to 20 miles an hour down the sidewalk, so like you could hurt somebody else. Yeah, too. man. Like I'm thinking, like after we drop somebody off after after a sour bash, like I don't know if I want somebody like jumping on a bird and like whizzing down Market Street. It's up to them because they're grown adults, and once they're finished with our tour, <laughs> we're done with them. That's true. Once, I, yeah, once I say that concludes the tour, I don't know, I don't know if that's legally. Is that legally binding? I don't know. Can we write that in our contract? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. So there you go. So maybe we'll get Bird back, and we'll be able to talk about all the cool birds that Andy has charging in his house. So speaking of birds, to reiterate, this Kentucky owl is getting better See, as I sip on it. Killing that's it. A, that's a good transition. Nice transition, and also probably a good way to toast the end of this cast i think it was so uh thanks so much for joining us again guys um check us out uh on uh social media at sour mash tours go to our website www.sourmashtours.com book a tour with us uh come to our axes event come to our louisville city tasting flying axes flying axes july 28th 12 30 p.m bullseyes and bourbon uh, plenty of spots left on that one. Absolutely. So, so please come and throw some axes and drink some bourbon with us. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, which people say they do, I don't mm-hmm. know if they're being quite honest, um, subscribe mm-hmm. on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast listening apparatus is. SoundCloud. I don't know. Do we do SoundCloud? SoundCloud anymore? I don't, I don't know. You do this. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think we're on SoundCloud. Um, Podbean. Podbean, <laughs> for sure. Uh, tell a friend about yeah. the podcast. Absolutely. Send it out. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. That could be big to get some more uh, reviews if you're really liking what you're listening to. Don't leave a fake review. Yeah. We, we only want genuine reviews. So let us know if you need Danielle. Like, if you need Danielle in your life, you'd be like, we don't want to hear just Dylan and Andy. Like, we need Danielle in our lives. And we'll make sure that we never do that. Do this again. But I think we had a fun time. I had a great time. I had a great time. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like us on um, iTunes. Subscribe. Like our social media. And uh, until next time... Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.